the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I am very limited in the clothing that I wear because I won't buy stuff made in China because it's kind of a protest of mine. You know, I, they use a lot of slave labor in China. There's no free market in China and they sell everything cheap to us. In fact, a lot of it gets dumped on us and we pay for it. And we don't really think about the human beings who are being forced into making these clothes. So it really limits what I can wear, but I make this choice on my own. It's nothing that's been forced on me and I do it gladly. And someone that also keeps a very close eye on China is a guest we've had before, Michael Sobolik. And he has a new book coming out, Forgive My Glasses, Countering China's Great Game, A Strategy for American Dominance. This comes out on April 15th, tax day. So if you get a refund, put part of it toward this book. This is a really important book. And Michael is a really important writer. Quick description. The United States is in the midst of a new Cold War with the Chinese Communist Party, and America is losing. We can't lose this Cold War. This Cold War is being fought through TikTok and through a number of other channels. So this Michael Sobolik book is very important. You may see him in National Review. Um, just a, a wonderful scholar and a, a wonderful writer. Um, so Michael Sobolik is our guest for the third time on this show and we always feel what he has to say is so important and so insightful and so knowledgeable about what's going on between the United States and China. Stay tuned. If your kids are on TikTok, if you are on TikTok, stay tuned. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Michael, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to have you. Um, not so glad to see TikTok sticking around. You know, we had those hearings last year about TikTok. And somehow I had this feeling that all these good questions were being asked and the CEO's feet was being, were being put, put to the fire, but nothing was going to change. And of course, nothing changed. Was that pure theater that, that hearing was, was the, was the end game already known? I don't know if I was being too idealistic last year, Michelle, but I, I thought we were on the cusp of doing something meaningful about TikTok. What was remarkable to see, that hearing was on March 23rd of 2023. And then what transpired, not only over the next few months, but over the next few days and weeks, was a massive counter push from TikTok uh, in the lobbying sphere. They activated their friends in, on the political left and the political right in the United States and in Washington specifically and froze any political progress or interest in banning the app. And I mean, you look at that hearing, it was not a good day for Shochu, the CEO of TikTok. No. And, what, and there were even two members of Congress. It was a, a Republican and a Democrat, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, then one of her counterparts in the Senate from Connecticut, Senator Blumenthal, 
And they both accused the CEO of TikTok of more or less lying to Congress in his sworn testimony. But here we are in 2024 and the app is still around. And it's a sad case study in powerful political interests who care more about social media and politics than they do about national security. And maybe a little bit more about money as well. Is that that's got to be a factor here, right? Yes, it is, unfortunately. So uh, some key members of Congress who are on key committees that have oversight of TikTok or in one way or another have political donors who were early investors in TikTok and are still investors in TikTok. And as you and I and all your listeners know, money talks, unfortunately, in politics. And this is a system where big money is against banning the CCP Trojan horse app. And I mean, for worse, we're for the moment stuck with it. You know, it's uh, just to bring it to people's like daily lives. I'm driving my daughter and her friends to soccer practice last night. And they're talking about what they saw on TikTok after the Grammys and bada, 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 TikTok, TikTok. And inside I'm boiling. I'm going, why, why is this such a major disseminator of information, entertainment, culture, politics, all the rest? You see the ads on television, which really started to ramp up here in the last few months about how farmers use TikTok, how doctors who sadly lost their son to a drunk driver use TikTok to get the word out. And that without TikTok, none of that would be possible, which I contend is false. Uh, there are other ways to get your message out. And but they, you know, without TikTok, we couldn't tell people how our farm works, you know, and it's or the old folks home isn't, you know, it's brought to you by TikTok and we were TikTok grandmas. All of that, and I will call it propaganda, people need to understand that this app owned by ByteDance is ultimately controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. Why is that message so hard for people to grasp or care about? You know, I I think that it reminds me in a lot of ways of the debate a few years ago over Huawei. For people who don't know what that weird sounding company is, it's a 5G telecom company, kind of like AT&T or Verizon. But a few years ago, they were more advanced technologically than American telecoms were. And it was similar concerns that this is a Chinese controlled company that if you're if you're using their technology to build out telecommunications infrastructure, China could basically spy on whatever is happening over that network. And it was really hard to do something politically about Huawei because it's cheap and affordable. And it's cheap and affordable because the Chinese Communist Party subsidizes it. Yeah. I mean, it's not we all know it's not a free market in China. And th- this is a little different with TikTok, but obviously it's not you know, directly owned, but to your point, it is indirectly owned. And I think you can make a case that a good case that it is controlled because of their parent company, ByteDance, and its relationship to China. But I mean, the the similarity is um, this is not only a privacy issue, this is a disinformation and propaganda issue that gives the Chinese Communist Party an inroad into what, 150, 170 million phones of Americans. So your question, Michelle, how is it so easy for people to ignore that reality? I think fundamentally, we think we're living in peacetime right now. We think that the world is still operating under a commonly accepted set of rules that most countries adhere to. And it was like that 
for the most part in the 1990s. It hasn't been the 1990s in a very long time. <laughs> and I mean, you hear people like Chairman Mike Gallagher, who is the leader of the select committee of the Chinese Communist Party in the House of Representatives. He makes this case all the time. And I think he's right that we're in a new Cold War right now. But if you tell yourself that we're not, it's easier to ignore reality. And we just have a lot of people who are ignoring reality right now. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And they're also seeing all these fun dances and dopey things on TikTok that seem so innocent. And in the meantime, technology is a lane to your privacy. It's a lane to your information. It is a lane to national security and the the you mentioned earlier some of these politicians care less about national security than they do about politics and or money and power and social media and that disgusts me i i that is so basic to me like if you're in congress if you're in the federal government if you're in a state how can you put aside national security for anything that is your greatest responsibility and duty to the voters, is it not? It should be. And I, I can tell you, at least with one personal instance, uh, how vehemently some of these politicians will blind themselves to what should be obvious. This past summer in 2023, a journalist on the TikTok beat approached me with a story about how a former Republican candidate for president uh, had a donor who's the CEO of Oracle. Uh, this guy's name is Larry Ellison, or the founder of Oracle. And Oracle and TikTok have a very close relationship. So it's an Oracle's financial and business interest that TikTok is not banned in America. Uh, I, I will not name names, but this American Republican who was running for president uh, has was strangely one of the few people in the field at the time who did not support a TikTok ban. So the journalist approached me, wanted to write a story, and I gave a quote happily to the story because it's good policy to ban TikTok and it's bad policy to let it run free. Uh, what happened the next day was the campaign for uh, this Republican politician found out about the story, uh, called our think tank and basically intimidated our institution and me to revise the quote I gave to the story and to not run with it. And they had no real defense of substance at all to share. Uh, it was uh, an inconvenient story for them politically because it looks bad if you care more about your campaign donations than about the security of Americans. And politicians who are on the wrong side of an issue will do whatever they can to hide 
their perverse incentives. But this is why sunlight is the best disinfectant with stuff like national security. We need to put the American people first. And some politicians will find themselves in compromised positions if it is discovered and revealed they're not doing it. But that's too bad for them. Like, this is literally their job. How did you guys respond to this this uh, request? We stood by our... Uh, stood by our guns and we stood by the statement we gave this journalist. Uh, if anyone's curious, it, it was published by Fox News. Like, it's not in my interest to out this person, but if anyone wants to do digging, they can easily find this uh, story. Okay, so the article was written. Was your quote included? It was. Yeah, it okay. was. And no, it's good to I hear. Mean, <laughs> it, it's it's not worth backing down on an issue when when you're on the right side on the merits. And I'm not naive enough to believe that all it takes is to be on the right side of policy to change policy. I mean, TikTok isn't banned. Uh, and there are m many reasons for that. But this is a huge reason. Uh, there's a lack of political courage right now. I, it just is stunning to me, the, the lack of courage across many, many parts of life right now. And politics is one of them. If, if somehow things started to to evolve in that regard how difficult would it be to ban tiktok or similarly why can't they just find an american buyer to separate tiktok into its own entity here in the states that was a that got a lot of press attention initially and the biden administration came out and said they were looking to find a new buyer the trump administration tried to do this as well uh, listen, it's not in China's interests to sell TikTok to an American company, because the minute you do that, presumably control of the TikTok algorithm uh, leaves uh, the offices of ByteDance, so to speak, and then is under the auspices and control of a U.S. company. Listen, if a U.S. company owned TikTok, I don't know if I would open an account or not, but like all the national security interests disappear immediately right? because you don't have a foreign adversarial government controlling it anymore. But it is not in China's, specifically the Chinese Communist Party's geopolitical interest to let go of that control. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. So, so, so therefore finding an American buyer seems like an impossibility because China won't let it go. So, is there another option for getting rid of this thing here in the States besides just having the federal government ban it from federal phones? Sure. So uh, there are some creative solutions uh, that if we if we can just be a little more nimble and think a little outside of the box, we can do something about this. And I, I wrote a piece about this recently in National Review which is an alternative approach to if we can't ban TikTok today, maybe we can cripple it instead. And ByteDance is a foreign company, which means it is subject to U.S. export controls. And when we talk about American exports, the things that come to our minds are, what did America used to make a lot of refrigerators, cars, I still make a lot of cars, but like actual material goods. But we export more than goods. We also export software and technology. So when you uh, are talking about a foreign company who owns an app that lives on the phones of Americans, um, data transfers and software update requests are considered exports because it's software and technology. So that means that theoretically it would fall under U.S. export controls. 
And if we were to add the TikTok parent company, ByteDance, and TikTok's foreign affiliates to um, the Department of Commerce's in-house list of tightly held export controls, we could effectively make it impossible for Americans to update the TikTok app whenever a new app comes up for renewal on the uh, Apple Store or Google Play Store or what have you. And you don't necessarily eradicate the app overnight, but you can degrade its functioning over time, Mm. which it's not maybe the best solution, but it could potentially work. I mean, if the app isn't functioning properly, do you really think 150 or 170 million Americans are going to waste their time on a 70% or a 50% functioning app when they could just as easily go to Instagram or somewhere else? So it's, it's it's a path that is at least worthy of exploration. And you have some former Trump administration officials who are pushing this idea too. It's a, that's an interesting idea. I'm just curious as to like I I I will not download TikTok onto my phone. I my my kids have it. They don't use it very much. I wish they didn't have it. Um, I won't have it, and I find that I'm just fine without it. So what is it about? Obviously, they've mastered this algorithm to to make it really enjoyable for people to use. By the way, let's let's point out, Michael, that that the algorithms in China are quite different for the kids in China. They don't get to see the stuff and do the stuff that kids in America are fed. So they they they've made sure that Chinese kids are like protected if you want to call it that or insulated from the stuff that the American kids get on on a on a full open faucet so what is it about this algorithm and what is it feeding people that they can't get somewhere else i think that there are two problems with the algorithm or two buckets that you could put the problems in one is the r- risk of propaganda and in in a kind of a strange twist of irony the, the Chinese people live under the pro- daily propaganda from the Chinese Communist Party. So in that sense, it's very similar. Their propaganda is just very different from the propaganda that we would get uh, through TikTok. I'm sure there are some similarities. Like TikTok will depress content about the Uyghurs, Tibetans, Hong Kong, crackdowns, Taiwan, and all that kind of stuff. And it's been de- demonstrated that that happens. But th- the element that's kind of different is when people talk about TikTok as digital fentanyl, what they mean by this is the type of content on TikTok that is pushed and promoted by the algorithm encourages self-harm. And this is an issue for a lot of young kids and Gen Zers that, I mean, you look at, like, forget about national security for a second. Let's talk about, like, personal well-being and livelihood of these young teenagers or early 20-somethings who are on TikTok, especially in middle school and high school, right? Like, these are kids who are in the process of identity formation. It's what all of us went through when we were that age. And if you are getting spewed messages every single day uh, on the high end of risk, suicide, uh, self-harm, you also have videos that encourage violence. You have a lot of TikTok um, content that encourages young kids to seriously question their identity, their sexuality right. and all this kind of stuff. Like the, the goal is to, in an insidious way, 
put these really dangerous ideas into malleable minds. And the thing that makes it addictive is the algorithm is really good at predicting what type of content the user is interested in and then just feeding that content uh, rapidly. So it is addictive and the content is not conducive to well-being. I mean, you know, we saw Zuckerberg at all on, uh, you know, Capitol Hill the other day being grilled about Facebook and Instagram. And, and you know, I, I have complaints about all of these apps and the kinds of messages our kids in particular are getting and whether or not this is safe and healthy. But TikTok, it's, when, it's, when it's a foreign entity that's, de- you know, designing these with very, and I think, you know, they're going to put the cow farmers and the old folks homes on there as like the, the Trojan horse part of it. Right. Isn't this a lovely app? Isn't it fun? Isn't it? But inside of it is dangerous stuff. And again, tapping into people's privacy, their personal data, all of that. It just seems so damn dangerous to me. Um, yeah. I, I, the other, I think the macro picture here maybe is, as you said, people think anyone who thinks we're, in peacetime is nuts. We're, you know, we're, we're involved in Ukraine. We're involved in Israel and Gaza. And China is this omnipresent threat. Um, is, is China so good at polishing its reputation that, that people just don't care? It is still a lucrative business to choose not to care for a lot of very powerful Americans. And I so well put. And I, I don't mean that to say that it's a monocausal reality because nothing in life is monocausal as, as we both know, but I do think it is important to identify the low hanging explanations that explain a lot of reality. And this is a big one. And this is honestly, Michelle, something that I find daily difficult and frustrating working in China policy in Washington. The conventional wisdom is that Republicans and Democrats agree in a strongly bipartisan way that we need to confront China and that the days of engagement are over with the CCP. In a lot of ways, it is true, but you have notable exceptions where very powerful and wealthy individuals have their own self-interest and the days of engagement are weak, but they are not so far gone as to not have any influence. They overshadow a lot of the competitive policies that China Hawks in DC will try to push. And it is an exaggeration and an overstatement to say that China confronting the CCP is across the board a bipartisan issue. It is in some areas, in others, it's not. And money complicates this hopelessly. You know, it was sad to hear you say we used to export a lot of refrigerators <laughs> and we we don't anymore. And, you know, I, I severely limit my wardrobe choices because I won't buy made in China. I just won't. And I'm discovering, Michael, how much is made in China. You know, I went to a fabric store recently and it took me forever to find something that wasn't made in China. And quite frankly, it seems to me that now... Even if you see made in Vietnam or made in the Philippines, or you got to wonder, you know, or made in, it, you know, it's, 
is, does China have connection to that too? And I think the answer right. is probably yes, right? So yeah. it's it's so damn difficult. And again, I, I've, I've talked to a couple of CEOs of companies that manufacture clothing and they don't disagree. Yes, we wish we could take our needles out of China. We do. But it just seems impossible for them to do so. And um, do you have any hope of that ever changing? I, I don't fault at all CEOs of profit-driven companies acting to maximize their profit. As a policy person, sure, it's frustrating. On moral grounds, in some cases, it's inexcusable. But in most cases, they're doing what they're supposed to do in a free market. The problem is they are working for their supply lines in a country that is not free in any way and doesn't have a purely free market at all, China. And I mean, the reality is this dynamic will not change until Washington provides new incentives for our own companies to respond to. Congress is going to have to legislate and pass laws. It's just going to have to. We, I do believe in cases of egregious oversight and just lack of care for human rights abuses inside of China, call it out, shine a light on it. it people, if they can't find it within themselves to care organically, uh, that stuff should be exposed. And there have been plenty of instances like that. But I also believe that moral shaming will only take you so far because companies in a private sector respond to economic incentives beyond anything else. And members of Congress face this dilemma. It's easy to morally shame a company doing something bad. You just send out a press release, send out some tweets, do a, a news hit on cable news, and you can get a news cycle out of it. Right. But we need more than a news cycle. We need systemic change. And that comes from the hard work of legislation. And the thing that I don't know, Michelle, is what is it going to take for a once in a generation defining policy change to happen? Because, again, people think we're still in peacetime. And as long as we think we're in peacetime, we're not going to see that kind of change that we need. You know, it kind of reminds me of um, of the, the the migrants beating up the cops in New York City and the photos of them flipping off the press. Like that is a pivotal moment, it seems to me, for not only New York, but for a lot of people to say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe I haven't been paying close enough attention. And, and it seems like a, a galvanizing event. Um, I fear that such a galvanizing event involving the CCP is going to be have far more wide reaching consequences than a couple of police officers uh, being beat up. And it's it's scary to me. And so that's why I sit here and I try to amplify this story and to to however many people I can reach, uh, because I, I just think it's that important and that serious. Um, how am I overstating or am I overstating the importance of this, this dynamic? If anything, you're probably understating it, but it's not because anything you're saying is inaccurate. Everything you're saying is true until people choose to listen and reorder their lives. Honestly, as you've done, like, I'm honestly really impressed and have a lot of respect for you, Michelle, that you take such careful attention with the clothing you buy. Hmm. That is a, a level of personal inconvenience that 
most Americans are not willing to take because it's hard work. It takes time out of your day. And honestly, like we're, we're dancing around this concept of opportunity cost. Um, it's an inconvenience to you because that time you spent trying to get tainted cotton out of your clothing made by like forced labor in China, that's lost time for you either to do something else with your time or you're missing out on pieces of clothing you would rather really enjoy and like. Mm-hmm. And this is a microcosm of our problem with China right now. Uh it feels like an inconvenience and most people don't realize that it is in fact so much more than an inconvenience. It is a matter of not just national security. I feel like it's easy for professionals in DC to say it's a national security issue and for people's eyes to glaze over because that, that has been abused, right? Like if everything is a national security issue, then nothing is a national security. Right. Exactly. This is a cold war. And this is, again, like I was down in Texas at my alma mater, Texas A&M, last week talking to them about Taiwan issues. And this is the message that I tried to drive home with every single audience that I get the chance to speak to. Because if you suddenly perceive and realize that regardless of what we think, Xi Jinping, China's dictator, and the CCP think they are in a Cold War with us. And it only takes one for a Cold War to be a reality. So um, we are, it feels like an inconvenience, but we are actually sowing the seeds of great future pain the longer we put off this reckoning. Oh, that's so well put. Uh, And it is a reckoning. And, uh, you know, if only, yeah, It, it always amazes me, and I'll finish with this, that we are so obsessed in this country with our own, sins of slavery that are, you know, a couple of centuries behind us should still be analyzed, should still be criticized, all the rest, but the obsession with it versus what's going on right this minute in other places uh, to people who are enforced, they're they're in slavery, they're in slave camps in China. And um, it's disgusting. These are human beings. So I'll leave it at that. Michael, it's always so good to talk to you. I, I always learn something and uh, it's fun to, to, to hear from you. I got to tell our audience that, you know, because you've been on with us a couple of times and, and you've adopted a young son and how is fatherhood going for you? It is, it exceeds the best picture I could have ever imagined. A lot of, I heard a lot of people say all my life that parenthood is the hardest thing and the best thing you'll ever do with your life. Uh, I can attest to that, but I would add one amendment to it. Uh, It is hard and it is the best thing ever. And the sweet, really fulfilling parts of it overshadow the hard parts. It is, it is more beautiful and fulfilling than I ever could have imagined it would be. Our, our son is everything to us and it is the greatest privilege of our lives to have him in our family. Okay. And on that note, when I'm going to start crying, uh, (laughs) I'm so thrilled for you. I I really am so happy for you. And I'm happy for that little boy because he's found his, his family and it's a beautiful thing. And I tell this to people all the time. You will find your family. If you're going through infertility, whatever it is, you will find your family. So congratulations. Uh, I'm so happy for you. And thank you as always for joining us. I, I really appreciate your insights. Thank you, Michelle. It's always a pleasure to be back. Thanks. 
So folks, I would encourage you to be brave and do good. You know, be brave. Look at a label and ask yourself, do I really need this thing, this plastic thing made in China? Do I? And, and do some good and put it back on the shelf. And we will see you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.